2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Yukon Football Podcast. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm joined by Luke Swanson and Tucker Warner. Fall camp has started. Football season is almost here. The Huskies will kick things off on August 27th against Utah State, which is not too far away, folks. We've got a lot going on in camp. Lots of competitions for playing time. Exciting things going on uh optimism at its highest probably at this point in the year august 16th that's that's usually time for peak optimism uh one thing that is going on right now in uh, speaking of competitions is at the quarterback comp at the quarterback position we know that they're going into the season there were two guys who we had kind of Thought would be the main folks competing for the starting job. Those were Penn State transfer Taquan Roberson and returning redshirt freshman Tyler Pumachan. Uh, And now we have reason to believe another contender exists and may be a legitimate threat to be the starter on day one, if not by some point in the season. Tucker, what, what are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, so I have actually heard from you know hashtag sources uh, that right now the true freshman Zion Turner is actually being given a realistic chance to win the job out of camp. Uh, that's obviously a pretty big deal. Uh, if he's able to do so, that provides UConn with you know a, a young freshman who was our most highly touted incoming recruit when he got two stores uh, at the quarterback position, being handed the reins of the job from day one. But more importantly, it proves that he is in fact ready for this if he wins it out and honestly i'm encouraged just by the fact that he's able to really put forward his best self in uh, his first collegiate minicamp. Uh, right before the season starts, I think that's uh, just a really great sign, all in all, but yeah he is actually being given a shot to win the job right now uh, I didn't think that would happen, given you know the two players with FBS experience ahead of him. Um, but here we are in camp uh, with three guys now possibly fighting it out for the starting job.
1: I think it really took a perfect storm, right? Like you have this guy coming in. He's really, he put up video game numbers in high school at a, at a really highly touted, uh, uh, really uh, football fact, factory in St. Thomas Aquinas. And you have uh, a like Pumashan who has experience coming back, but he's not quite there after a pretty, pretty bad injury. Like we forget that. With, with how great medical science is in the athletics field now, that uh, proof, uh, ligament injuries are still pretty darn serious. And it, it it's definitely understandable that someone who relies on his legs as much as uh, Chan does might uh, not feel super sturdy all the way in camp, even uh, this far after his injury. And then it's also a combination of a guy like Robertson, which we'll get to later, uh, making a couple of mistakes and not really just grabbing and holding on to the job like we thought he would in uh, in fall camp so I think all these things together uh combined with a, a really talented player like uh Zion Turner it really just is leading to this this point where we have him uh in a legit competition with uh Robertson and even even a guy like uh Millen for the starting job so I think it's it's an exciting time and I think usually you'd want a starter to come up to start to show themselves at this point in fall camp. But I think that it's definitely still wide open for Yukon and the coaches have said as much as it's going to be up to
2: one of them to go up and grab it. I think you bring up a, a good point about Roverson. Um, it does sound like right now he's taking the first team reps. Um, and Pumachan and Turner are splitting second team reps right now. I agree that you would like to have the competition settled, but I I would add that I'm also a little bit concerned that, that Roberson is not able to, um, you know, maybe separate himself more. It sounds like the reports from camp and from the recent scrimmage are really that no one seems to be playing well enough, you know, truly, you know, a lot of frustration from the quarterback position from the coaches. Uh, Is that the sense you got Luke from, from the couple of times you had a chance to speak with them?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think definitely that it's it's something that you try to put a positive spin on, like a lot of guys competing and the, the best one will come in on top. But I really, if you have, if well, the, the saying is if you have two quarterbacks, then you have none. Well, what's the saying when you have four quarterbacks? Right. Like, I think it is frustrating for the coaches, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to find someone that they can rely on to simply not throw interceptions. I think that's bad decisions and inaccuracy are two of the things you really don't want to see out of the quarterback room. And it's two of the things that have been uh, unfortunately prevalent in some of these scrimmages and uh, just in the, in the sort of one in the uh, one-on-one drills that we're seeing. And uh, a lot of it is just, it's still still have a little ways to go to the season, but it's, it's something that the coaches are rightfully concerned about.
0: I mean, look, you've got four guys on this roster who are scholarship quarterbacks. None of them are upperclassmen. They're all uh, redshirt sophomores or younger. I think nobody has more than three games of FBS experience individually. This was always going to be a tough group to work with to get them ready for day one and have them be, you know, like a, a star right out of the gate. That was probably a stretch goal. And if they're working with everybody to hopefully make sure that they're all ready for game situations, if need be, that's probably the best strategy to take right now. Mm -hmm. So there's positives and negatives to take from this. I think that maybe a little bit of a reevaluation of where we think these guys are at this point in time is probably warranted. Uh, I'm still cautiously optimistic. I think we're probably going to get better overall play from the quarterback position this season compared to, let's say, 2021 or 2019. And overall, I, you know, I've got that cautious optimism as a result. But right now, if one of them isn't really separating himself at the moment, it does mean that we're probably going to see, you know, a bit of a quarterback by committee over the course of the season, like UConn football fans for the most part have gotten accustomed to.
1: Yeah. I think it's still Robertson's job to lose just because I think that that talent level is there and he does have, he does have experience at the highest level of college football. So I think he's still being given that chance, and I th- I think honestly I think week one he'll continue to be given that chance as starter. But I think if he fails to perform in the first couple of weeks of the season, the 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 it's going to be a it's going to be a short string short uh, string for him. And I think uh, Turner will be given a shot to prove himself.
2: I think that's a really good point. I mean, it's very possible that really these when we try to kind of separate who might be the starter from who might be a backup and all that. But it really does seem like all three of these guys right now are, are on a pretty similar level um, in, in Roberson, Turner and Pumajon just, just in terms of, I guess I would say experience and pedigree. And and the reason I say that is just out of a, a ton of having a ton of respect for Zion Turner's high school experience. Like you said, Luke, he played at a, a really powerhouse program uh, down in Florida, in the Miami area, and um, I think you can really think of that as as uh, obviously it's a big jump to go to UConn or or any coll- collegiate level. But those are very high stakes. Those that's some of the most competitive high school football in the country, as we all know. Um, and and there's something to that when it comes to preparation uh, for even for the next level, and especially compared to someone who, some people who haven't played, you know, Roberson has not played, has not seen live action in a long time. And then Pumachan comes from, as we know, Avon Old Farms, and then came to Yukon. So it was, you know, uh, all the respect in the world to him and, and what he accomplished last year, uh, you know, as a true freshman right out of high school. But I also think maybe he doesn't have as much of a leg up on Turner as we thought which, which is maybe new information for us, but I think is also becoming readily apparent. So I do agree with the very high likelihood. It seems that Turner probably, you know, gets a chance to start at some point this season. Maybe it's due to injury. Maybe it's due to some other things happening. Who knows? Um, he is obviously a, you know, a recruit of, of Jim Mora and this staff, which Ponchan is yeah. not, Um obviously they brought they brought roberson in as well as a transfer uh see what he can do but i the sense that i'm getting is is that we're looking at at a little bit more inconsistency from the position that maybe we expected but as tucker said maybe we should have tempered our expectations a little bit given how inexperienced the overall room was is
0: yeah, and you know, I, I'm not sure how exactly this is going to shake out, even in, you know, a non-injurious situation over the course of the season. Say Roberson is healthy all year. Um, I do think at this point that he's the front runner for the job. Um, but even if he stays healthy, there's no guarantee that he's going to be the one starting every single game. So <laughs> if there's you know a situation where he struggles, gets off to maybe a couple uh tough games in a row. Uh, you know, through that Michigan, NC State, Fresno stretch, uh, does somebody different come out there when we take the field against FIU or Ball State, for example? That's in the middle of the season. It's right before the bye week. Uh, that's where I'd start to look at maybe you know a, a one of those two games where we might see somebody else under center and taking those snaps uh, as the starter. So anything could happen. Uh, we got to a Fiesta Bowl in a season where we changed our starting quarterback twice. So, you know, this is just how college football works. Unless you've got a superstar, they probably won't start all 12 games. But that's probably what we're looking at for UConn this year.
2: Yeah, I, I agree also that I think Roberson will be the the day one starter still. Um, but it will be interesting to see, you know, that's that's not going to be a very fun game for UConn or football fans. It's probably going to be a pretty, pretty rough rough event on both sides of the ball. If I'm going to be honest, we'll we'll probably preview the matchup in a little bit more detail in our next podcast, but uh, Utah state right now is 27 point favorites in that game. Uh, that's going to be rough, but I do think central Connecticut is a good opportunity to see, you know, who can do well against inferior competition, which is at least a marker for something, you know, who can, who can be dependably solid and run the offense uh and have it look like an fbs offense against an fcs team that will be something that all three play of those guys will have a chance to show and we'll know a lot more maybe even after that week i could even see a potential change happening before the syracuse game in order to give the huskies maybe the best chance to pull off the upset so um yeah i think it's going to be a little bit i I guess there's just you know the the new thing again is just There's definitely a third contender in the room for sure, and uh, we will see how that goes. Speaking of other competitions on the field, we had talked about the running backs last time out, and unfortunately, since the recording of that podcast, running back Will Knight announced his intention to transfer. He was someone who I think we probably would have pegged to be the second or third leading rusher just in terms of carries uh, going into the season based mostly on his resume you know he had some pretty productive years at Old Dominion and also University of Delaware but before he could ever take a live snap for UConn Will Knight is transferring out I think that leaves a lot of competition out at running back I know some names like Brian Bruton and Aaron Turner have come, come up in, you know, the, that kind of scat back or, or whatever role. But um, what do you guys think about where the running back position is at this point with night out?
1: I think the real winner in uh, the, the night transfer is Devontae Houston. I yeah. think that he's uh, had a really great, camp and he's he's showing a lot of speed he's shown he's showing a lot of uh eyes uh vision from uh behind the offensive line and i think that he's def, he's definitely uh, in the pole position to get that back up in a kind of off pace back role behind carter and uh guys like him uh bruton also bruton uh definitely moves up in the pecking order in terms of uh uh, being that sort of change of pace uh catching some balls out of the backfield. so I think I think those two guys are uh really uh really the two winners in this situation. I think will Knight uh what were he to uh, continue on in his UConn career and, and uh playing some games for duskis i think he would have shown his talent And I think that I, I still think he's a pretty he's a pretty tremendous uh, football player. But I think, uh, I, I think his depart, departure really opens up the door for, uh, guys like, uh, Brew and especially Houston, who's, uh, again, really had an impressive camp to, uh, to show his, ta- showcase their talents behind, uh, behind Carter.
0: Yeah. I have actually been a proponent of Devontae Houston, uh, for most of this off season, really. I, I think that we were lacking a guy, uh, besides him who was going to be like that pass catching back. Uh, And maybe he's not going to be getting that in every snap and every situation. And I'm sure they're going to have passing opportunities um, or pass catching opportunities for Carter and Bruton as well. Uh, But Houston's the guy who has really excelled on it when he's been on the field, at least more so than the rest of his competition. Uh, I think getting him out on the field and offering a couple different looks was going to be a pretty big difference uh, to this team as a whole. I'm not really sure exactly what role Brian uh, Brian Bruton is going to have uh, in the offense this year. I think that he should be returning kicks and maybe punts, uh, but basically – You know, his skills are best suited for something that's not necessarily the number two running back. So I think if you have Devante Houston working his way up the depth chart, I think if you have uh, Victor Rosa playing decently at camp and, you know, maybe making an impact on the four games that he's going to play before they redshirt him, then I think that's a much better situation than where we were before. Obviously, you'd like to have Will Knight still here. So you have that depth, just one other guy who can maybe offer you a couple other looks. But for the most part, I think that uh, if the snaps that night we going to have were going to take away those snaps from Houston more specifically, I think that's probably better off for the team. Uh, he probably at this point deserves a higher share of the snaps than almost any other running back with the exception of Nate Carter.
1: They're different They're different players, right? Like it's going to be, they're going to have to get creative in terms of uh who they're going to hand the ball off to in uh, short in short yard situations. And I think that night that's not that's the thing that Knight would have brought to the team versus Houston is more of a pass catching back. So I think that Carter will be short sort of slotted more into the get get a couple yards, three yards in a cloud of dust, sort of uh sort of back.
0: Yeah, we're kind of lacking some size at the running back position right now, which I think is the one area where we're not, not getting any versatility whatsoever. Um, Robert Burns is obviously a pretty stocky guy, uh, still under six feet, kind of your prototypical fullback. Um, But yeah, nonetheless, I think that not having a whole lot of, you know, like there's not necessarily a clear third down guy who can, you know, stuff it up the middle on third and two. And so I think that being able to just get more versatility in there is really going to be um, the biggest boon of Houston making his way up the depth chart.
2: And then just to round it out, we we had discussed also in the offense preview a lot up for grabs at the receiver position. Um, uh, Luke, since since you've had the chance to talk to some coaches and, and go to a practice or two, um, anything on the wide receivers that you're hearing in terms of anyone standing out, anyone potentially in line for a larger role or different role than we thought before?
1: I think that guy uh some of the transfers have impressed. I think uh one specific name uh Dejon Harrison has definitely uh shown as uh, there's been some uh cases that drops a little bit at uh, at practice with some of the receivers, but I think uh, uh that from the from the more uh more long-standing guys has allowed uh guys like Harrison and guys like uh Ethan will e, sorry Ethan Williams to sort of showcase their talents. At wide receiver. So I think that it, nothing's really become a whole lot more clear in the wide receiver. I don't think the pecking order has totally been, sh- been shaken up a ton, but I think that, uh, that this camp and, uh, some of the other guys struggles have really opened the door for guys like Williams and Harrison to sh- sh- sort of show that they're, they're back. They're ready for uh, competitive FBS snaps, whereas maybe the, the coming back from some uh, some injuries, some uh, having fallen down the pecking order at their respective programs. So I think they, that they've been the main beneficiaries yeah, in terms of the wide receivers.
0: Yeah, I was hoping for a breakout from Dajon Harrison. And from what I've heard, uh, not just from you here, Luke, it seems like that's what's happening right now. Uh, he seems like a guy who's going to fight his way into the starters category here. It's unclear how many of these guys are going to see, you know, like what percentage of snaps or who truly counts as a starter, but Dejon Harrison seems like a guy who's going to be really involved with the offense this year. Uh, I think based on a couple of guys that we've got returning as we've mentioned, you know, Cam Ross, Matt Drayton, etc., uh there's going to be, you know, targets to be spread around for these players so if nobody's really separating themselves at wide receiver right now but they're nonetheless adding themselves into that pack of guys who can start who can be heavily targeted receivers that can really only be seen as a good thing so i'm happy to hear that about harrison uh it's good if williams is going to make similar strides and i hope to see that over the course of the year um hopefully nigel fitzgerald is a guy who can work his way into that pack um I haven't heard too much about him coming out of camp, but that was definitely one guy that some had targeted as, you know, potentially being the biggest impact transfer at wide receiver um, of that group of three. So, basically if we're in a log jam right now that's not a bad thing whatsoever I think that just puts us in a spot where there are more wide receivers that can be called upon when needed and maybe even with the transfer out at running back we can move Aaron Turner back to his more natural position and get him back into like the cycle if he's going to be falling down the depth chart after playing considerably last year uh due to all the injuries all the injuries there were a lot of them mm-hmm. Going back to the running backs, I think that uh, uh,
1: one guy that uh, I, I forgot to mention, Victor Rosa, obviously, yeah, uh, uh, Bristol Central, sort of legend uh, in his own right uh, in the basketball, uh, basketball and in football. spheres he's had a productive camp. Now, uh, something that you'll learn, you'll definitely learn listening to this podcast. It's hard to tell how much of that is uh, his actual chances to play meaningful snaps as a running back and how much of that is uh, local beat writers are impressed with Connecticut high school player. But I I think that that there have been some moments in camp where he's, he's shown flashes. And I think that uh, I'll definitely be given more, more chances this year, than more chances this year, I would say.
2: We love a good local story. Don't we folks? I agree though that he's a name that's worth bringing up. We definitely, have not yet in the podcast talking about uh, potential playmakers, potential key, you know, guys in the offense. But given that, as we've discussed, that room is now one name shorter, maybe there is some potential for him to break in. And then as, as Tucker mentioned, contribute in four games before, (laughs) before they shut him down in order to get him that red shirt still. um. I think moving on, we can talk about the defense now. I heard, I'm hearing reports that the defense is looking fairly solid, maybe compared to the offense in practices and scrimmages. Um, Perhaps there are some reasons for that. But starting with the D-line, we know that Travis Jones, of course, has moved on to the NFL. He's a third round pick on the Baltimore Ravens who tend to be pretty good at picking mm-hmm. defensive players. Uh, and he so far seems to be doing well for them, by the way, uh, which is exciting. So Travis Jones is gone. Ugwak is also gone. He has transferred to TCU, which is really pretty impressive. Good for him. Uh, definitely, again, two of UConn's, by far, two of you. I mean, that is UConn's two best players on defense last year no longer on the team so defensive line how are we feeling about uh this group going into the year and any any names that we want to keep an eye on
1: i think that it's definitely worth noting that uh, uh jones and Ugwak both went to some pretty stellar uh some pretty stellar uh judges of defensive line talent uh, Joe Gillespie, a rising star defensive coordinator in, in the FBS level. I think he came from Tulsa, which really uh, low key had some has had some great defenses in recent years when he's been at the helm. And obviously TCU uh, school, even though uh, Patterson is no longer there, still known for their defense. And then obviously the Ravens' uh, defensive line has been great, for basic, or basically def- or defense general has been great for as long as I can remember. So uh, that's two players who've really gone to has have really seen some talent in them recognized, kind of joining in the footsteps of uh, guys like Darian Beavers, who, uh, have gone on to have tremendous college and, uh, soon to be pro careers away from the Huskies. So I think that even though we're sort of turning a page in UConn football, that, uh, that, that remains, uh, that stare, that, uh, archetype remains in terms of who's going to contribute on the defensive line this year. Uh, UConn does have some uh, experience returning uh, some starting experience. The only, the question is how much good starting experience they have. I think uh, Gordine has uh, locked down a defensive tackle spot. Didn't have the most tremendous year last year on the defensive line. I, he was rotated in and out, didn't, didn't really show a whole ton of promise, but he's, he's a big body. Uh, he'll, he'll be able to do the job inside and guys like, uh, Eric Watts remains. He's, pro- he's probably the most uh, prolific pass rusher on the UConn defensive line that, are, that returns, uh, he'll definitely be freed up to get after it. And then that third starter will be uh, filled by uh Sequoia McDuffie, uh, coming in from old dominion. Uh, Was a, was a starter there in, I think 2019 and uh, played some really meaningful snaps on some truly horrendous uh, old dominion teams. But I think he was definitely the standout on their defense then, Uh, but they did go one and 11. So it's kind of hard to tell how much actual, like meaningful Uh, talent and skill he brings uh, from camp he definitely stands out as one of the bigger bodies and he moves around really athletically like he has a wide range of motion on the defensive line and uh, definitely took his opportunities to get up in the quarterback's faces and uh, get a hand on them as much as you can in a in a pre in a fall scrimmage so I think that uh, he's I think he comes in as uh, one of the more talented uh, talented players on that you defensive line besides Watts. And I think that those two together, uh, they're gonna do their best to, uh, provide some, uh, some facsimile of what Luke walk and, uh, Jones were able to provide last year. Now, uh, Tucker Ramon, I don't know if you want to get into the linebackers, but I think that we're going to see a pretty remarkable improvement from that group. Uh, well, that was already somewhat. I wouldn't say it was a strength of UConn last year, but it certainly wasn't a weakness weakness, and there's a lot of experience there. And we only really added talent there.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that overall, what really needs to be done on the defensive end is just to improve the pass rush by any means necessary. Uh, last year, UConn had 12 total sacks as a team. Uh, that is one per game that is simply not getting the job done. Uh, Right now, they have added talent at linebacker, they've gotten a little bit better on the defensive line with some of the transfers they've brought in, obviously you're not replacing a Travis Jones. Uh, You're going to struggle to replace even a Kavan Jones, who is going to be counted upon to be a big part of the team this year and is no longer on the roster. So you're going to have to get this production from somebody. Um, I'm actually a pretty big Dalmont Gordine fan uh, to fill in those gaps as a defensive tackle. I probably won't add much in the pass rush itself, but if you're filling in those gaps as a big tackle, then that's going to make the job easier on everybody else. So you will have guys uh, who are going to be able to, you know, hopefully get after the quarterback as a result of that gap play. But at the same time, Of those 12 sacks last year, UConn brings back only three total sacks from last year. Jackson Mitchell had one and a half, uh, Ian Swenson had one, and Eric Watts had one half. So you might notice that that's half of a sack that returns on the defensive line. Not great. So that's going to have to come from elsewhere. And I think that maybe if you look at a guy like Marquez Bembry is going to be filling in a starting role as a linebacker, uh, the Kentucky transfer, uh, maybe Brian Bouyer-Randall as well, who comes from Texas Tech. Those are guys who are going to have to be counted upon as pass rushers from the linebacker position. Um, we're going to play a bit of a hybrid 3-4 this year. I think it's going to be, uh, could be more of a hybrid, could be more of a traditional 3-4, but either way, this is going to be primarily a 3-4 defense this season. And as such, the production is going to have to be spread out a little bit. Uh, It's unlikely that any of these guys is going to become the superstar on defense that UConn has kind of been waiting for as a pass rusher specifically. Uh, Obviously, Travis Jones did what he could there, um, but kind of hard to get a lot of sacks when you're being double or triple team every snap. So all of this is to say, yes, the linebacking crew has improved. Uh, Last year, we did get good production from Mitchell and Swenson and Hunter Webb, uh, who may be moved to more of a uh, rotational player, uh, certainly going to see a lot of snaps. But even after a pretty solid year last year from Webb, uh, he might not even occupy a starter's role anymore, which is all to say that this is a much stronger unit than it was at this time last season. Uh, so with everything there, they've got five guys who could reasonably start at linebacker uh, at any given point, point. Uh, and if you need to move somebody around and maybe you th- they think that the 4-3 is going to work a little bit better later in the season, you could maybe even move somebody to be more of a down lineman as well. So it's going to get better. Things are getting better, uh, and at the same time, they have a lot of production to replace. So whether or not they're going to replace that production by spreading the wealth and having everybody contribute uh, from the front seven and just take on a little bit more, uh, or if they're going to get major production from one or two guys to reasonably facsimile the production of a Travis Jones, that's going to have to remain to be seen. But right now, we can at least feel optimistic that yes, uh, things are getting a little bit better at linebacker.
2: Yeah, Kavon Jones was definitely another big loss for the for the Huskies, which I guess we found out at the beginning of camp uh, just this season. But that's, you know, three of, really, again, three of the best players on UConn's defense not, not returning this year, which uh, is not great given that we know the defense was not that good last year. A big part of the reason for that was youth and inconsistency from the defensive back position. Mm. We remain concerned for that position, I think. How, about, how, do you, how do you guys feel?
0: A little bit better than I did when we talked about this last time, uh, which was about a month ago now. So uh, one thing that Luke and I had talked about before starting the recording was that Chris Sheeran had been looking a little bit better than expected. Uh, that's the junior transfer from Missouri – uh, he's going to be playing mostly safety it appears um but at the same time we just need the help anywhere in defensive back uh, but with the return of miles bell uh from injury last season uh, with some of these guys actually occupying one of the more experienced units that Yukon has just in terms of age I think we're in a better spot the issue is still going to be depth if somebody goes down or even if you know there's something that like keeps a guy out from being able to play for a little bit there's not a whole lot there to replace anybody, but if we're going to go with just the starters themselves, it's looking a little bit better. And definitely, Shirin's, uh growth and improvement that he's shown through camp so far has been uh, a good sign. I'll put it that way. I think that if we're going by camp, I think that the the
1: defensive backs have have had the had the most uh, most shining start to camp. To be yeah. honest, along with the linebackers in terms of. Uh, in terms of pass defense and, uh, and some, a uh, couple of key interceptions. Now, uh, you can kind of look at that two ways. You can look at that as oh, the quarterbacks are not really showing a whole ton of promise or that the defensive backs are really, uh, kind of bothering, the, bothering the receivers, uh, confusing the, uh, quarterback. at uh, just really getting that position to, to make good plays in the ball. So just from my experience, I think that the defensive backs have looked good, but I definitely think it's a case of, uh, well, Tucker, what you're talking about as sort of a lack of depth, because uh, I think the starters, I think with the addition of Sharon and uh, the return of Bell, I think that it's definitely a better unit than uh, at the start of last year and at that uh, better unit than last year and in years past. But it's just whether whether
0: the injury bug kind of comes up and gets them. And that could certainly be a problem, and not even just that, just needing rotational guys to come in. Uh, that's really going to be the issue this year, I think. I th- as long as our starters are out there, this is no longer a unit that I'm really concerned about. I, I think that you know we've got starters – throughout the secondary that are going to work. Uh, the two guys we didn't mention are Malik Dixon and Durante Jones, who I believe will be the day one starters on this team. Uh, and you've got Trey Wortham as well, who could step in there and start if needed, uh, or maybe even you know, play some uh, some nickel defense when when we have to go to a five defensive back set. But with it with this unit right after that there's kind of a drop off uh, in experience uh, in what we've seen so far on the field, and you know with a lot of sophomores a lot of freshmen throughout the entire unit. I think there's going to be some struggles and some growing pains ahead Uh, once some of these guys get older, uh, I think that this could be a unit that stands out, I think 2023 um, as long as everybody stays on the team could be a really great year for the UConn secondary. But that's the whole year in advance. Uh, I'm mostly just going on what I see being potential from some of these players. And hopefully they reach that a year early, which would really help bolster the entire defense as a whole.
1: Yeah, I think a guy like Durante Jones, I think that he's, he's, to me, he's a really good athlete. And last year he showed a lot of flashes and he also had a lot of very poor performances uh, at safety. So... I think he's a guy that will definitely benefit the most just of repeated playing time and a full season of fall camp and uh, just getting more consistent because I think he's a guy where the athleticism is there. Uh, We've seen the talent and now it's time to, now it's time to put it all together. Like it's still relatively early in his career, but he's a guy I could see, uh, I could see growing into more of a prospect down the line.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. And I I think you can somewhat draw a little bit of a parallel to Trey Wortham last season, who had a pretty rocky start, but by the end of the year was perhaps UConn's most reliable defensive back uh, who was healthy. Um, So I think if you put him there as more of a number two corner, uh, where Miles Bell can still be the number one, more of the shutdown guy, uh, if you've got two good safeties, one a little more experienced in Sharon and one hyper-athletic, maybe a little – maybe a little looser, a little rawer still, but definitely still room to grow in Durante Jones. That's the makings of a pretty good four-man secondary. So I'm feeling a lot better about this, hearing what I've heard out of camp from, uh, you know, well, from you, Luke, and from some other people around the uh, the UConn blogosphere. But uh, this does seem like, yes, there are going to be troubles at times. It's a secondary that's always going to happen. At the same time, I feel like this is a unit that can make plays, probably get a couple more interceptions than we did last year, just because it would be pretty hard to, uh, you know, to, to sort of repeat the performance where there just were not many turnovers uh, at any point (laughs) that we created on defense. So I'm hoping for more production and I think what you can look for uh, week one against Utah State is when we know what their game plan is, Uh, similar to Fresno State opener last year when we lost 49-0 to Jake Hayner absolutely picking apart our defense, we know what Utah State's going to do, and a lot of times we know what their plays may be and what they might be targeting defensively in our secondary. So how are our players going to react to that? Uh, are, Are they going to You know, like, will they become smarter? Will they improve play by play? Like, we saw it happen with certain guys. uh, And you see most seasons with the great programs in college football. So, week one, what I would really look at is just how does the rotation work? And when we do get burned, and they're going to, how do they react from there? Do they? play super conservatively to make sure they don't get burned downfield again and just give up 15 yard pass after 15 yard pass do they continue pressing do they stick to the original game plan how so i i know we're a little ways away from doing an actual utah state preview before that game uh, but i think we can learn a lot about the secondary in the first game of the season
2: i also just agree you know that that as you mentioned earlier tucker the nickel and dime package situation that's obviously a set of packages you use a lot given how many teams pass the ball so much and how many passing situations there are this is a group make no mistake this is a group that's going to take its lumps including that utah state game but also michigan north carolina state fresno state and you know in if we talk about this, just the defense as a whole has a very tough task against army to close out the season as well. Uh, so it's going to be a, a season of taking some lumps, but hopefully some of those younger guys on in the secondary do get a chance to develop. I think I, I also just wanted to echo some of what you guys said about the linebacker position. I think there's a lot to be excited about there, including the return of, of Jackson Mitchell, who was uh, seemed to be all over the place last year? The return of Ian Swenson, who has been a longtime member of the program and a very good athlete and a, and a good good football player, who's good for UConn to have. And then uh, two transfers who I think could also be pretty pretty strong difference makers in Bembry and Buier Randall. So I think that's if we we're just talking about the defense, what we're really excited about. It's what that group might be able to accomplish, how far they might be able to take this defense. Maybe this group is versatile enough to paper over some of the uh, pass rush deficiencies that the D line has and crossing my fingers. Also some of the passing game pass defense deficiencies that some of the defensive backs might have as well. I mean, Swenson's a former DB uh, who can certainly contribute in that area of the game. So very similar to the role that, that, he and Omar Fort played last year, so I think that that group is someone is 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 one that I'm really excited about. While still maintaining a lot of concern for the secondary, and just noting that the D line is going to take a step back, even if we feel solid about kind of who's in there.
1: Yeah, I think that well, I won't harp, but the, I think the linebacker core is just really the the key and sort of the to be cliche the heart and soul of this defense it's it's not often there hasn't been often in recent years to just have a couple guys in one unit and a lot of experience there with just good college players and not even super nfl prospects or anything like that just a couple good solid nfl players like we have in mitchell and swenson and then you add to that two legit p5 guys in Boyer Randall and Benbury, who are both, they both have experience. And I, I I trust in them that they're going to be, they're going to be pretty decent upgrades over what we had last year. So I think that that linebacker core, we're kind of relying on them to paper over uh, some of the deficiencies in other areas of the defense, but stranger things have happened. I mean, I will say that I think that when we were going over the, the, uh, the defensive back groups and we were referencing how uh, some players had some up and down seasons and had pretty tough starts the season. We were uh, looking on that at that very tough Fresno state game to start the year. And this year they have Fresno state again, but guess what? They're better. And <laughs> they that same quarterback's back and he's better. And he's now going to an NFL prospect. So that, that'll that be a, a, that stretch of games uh i think uh, nc state and fresno state are back to back in the schedule that is going to be a trial by fire for the defensive backs to say the least because they are probably i think hayner and leary are probably two of the best quarterbacks in college football heading Mm -hmm. into this Mm -hmm. like I, i mean uh, Bryce Young, guys like Bryce Young, guys like C.J. Stroud, they're the, the first-round NFL uh, prospects. But guys like Leary and Hayner are just tremendous, tremendous college quarterbacks, Like the, the kind of guys that go under the radar and the kind of guys that college fans love because they're super understanding. And that that's going to show us a lot about the character of this UConn team and this UConn defense uh, facing uh, two teams that, frankly, are, are – they to have the potential to go to New York six bowls at the end of the year. So,
2: yep. yep. Our next podcast will go more in depth on the Utah state matchup and other things going on with the team. Maybe we'll even have some info on who the starting QB is by then. As a reminder, August 27th, UConn football will kick off its season at Utah state. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you all for listening.